Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wazzas! Let's get fucking listening, baby! I got a few guests with me here today. Uh, This was originally planned to just be a U.S. Open preview chat. Uh, The news of the day has slightly changed our topic of discussion. So uh, joining me in this wild cast of uh, cast and crew here, we have uh, one Matt Wader, the pride of New Jersey. Matthew, how are we doing today? Great, boys. How are we doing? Uh, one and only coach Jeff Slanovic, pride and joy of the FDU Devils. Jeff, how we doing? Great to be here once again. And uh, the man with the little shitty and smile on the other end is Eric Appley. Eric, welcome Good morning, back. Jordan. So obviously, the the news of the day now the uh, the PGA Tour and Live are going to be merging. Uh, DP World Tour is involved in that as well. I'm just going to open it up. Uh, Jeff, you seem very anxious. Why don't you Why don't you lead us off on this? You've been blowing up the group chat as this has all been happening. Uh, just initial thoughts, go. I think if I was a PGA Tour player who stood by Jay Monahan's side for the last 12 to 18 months, I'd be absolutely furious. Uh, I'd be considering walking out of the Canadian Open if I was going to be playing in that this weekend. Uh they turned down a lot of money under the premise of it's bad money and PGA tour money is good money. Um, but I think the lesson to be learned here is that when money talks, everybody's willing to be a hypocrite. Uh, and now the money's talking and it's going to benefit everybody in some capacity. We don't know exactly how moving forward. Uh, and it's going to come back to the PGA tour guys, but they've, they've kind of now looked like fools. Um, and the live guys have kind of been validated in in their risk to go. Eric, I see you chomping at the bit over there. We're gonna let you have it. So at this it now. is like the most typical reaction ever by Slano, which is a complete overreaction. Like in fantasy golf, when his guy either bogeys or birdies the first hole, he blows up that his guys either won the tournament or lost the tournament. Like, do we know any details of? the merger or like what this means for any of the players on either side or like we know nothing right except that these guys are going to merge so how could you say that you know somebody should walk out of the canadian open because they didn't go to live like that's just crazy but yeah i don't know we'll see as time goes on when we actually know what's happening then i think we can all make our opinions First of all, enough with the measured responses. We want hot takes and to freak out here. So before we send it back to Jeff, Waiter, what do you got, buddy? I think it just the timing and how tight-lipped they were about this. Like, there was no leak. All of a sudden, we're just out. Like, here we are. We're going balls in. Like, this is it. We're going to merge. And I really cannot wait for someone to get a microphone in front of Rory McIlroy. Like, I want to hear that guy talk about this as soon as possible. Yeah, as of as of last check, no, no word from Rory yet. Uh, a couple of things said in there. If I was Rory, I would be pissed. I mean, the tour trotted him out there to pretty much badmouth live for like 12 months. 
and now he's just going to have to fucking eat this. That does kind of suck. Um, as Bucky did say, though, we don't really know what's going on. We know they're coming together. We know the, the PIF, you know, the Saudi investment fund is going to pump a ton of money into the tour. Uh, Greg Norman was told this morning, right before they did the, uh, the CNBC uh, interview. So supposedly. supposedly, yeah, that's a good point. When that guy said that, he's like, oh yeah, I called him this morning. There was, it was possible he was finding out with everybody else. But yeah, I think one of the other interesting things, like what, maybe five people had to know what was going on in this thing? Five, ten people? Because, I mean, shit, no one can keep a secret. There was absolutely no news of this. That may be the most surprising thing to me. Does anybody else have anything else that you find more surprising than the fact that it was totally secret up until today? doesn't happen very often in today's world with any type of major news that something doesn't get leaked ahead of time. So that's a good point. No, I'm, that's shocking. No, the only thing that I could possibly think of would be that Phil Mickelson went on kind of a rampage this weekend as if he knew he was about to be validated in his decision-making. Uh, and Rory was really, really, really quiet the last week or two. So part of me does wonder, did he have an inkling that something was potentially happening? And that's why he took a step back uh, because he did really lead the crusade for the last 12 months or so. Um, when I say that they should walk out of the Canadian, Canadian open, more of what I'm speaking about is just how they were told how being loyal was going to be something that got them a lot more than what going to live would do and they'd be remembered in the game of golf and the history and that we're going to remember who stood by the pga tour and who stood and went to live right and now just 18 months later 12 months later it doesn't matter who went to live and who stuck by the pga tour because it's all going to be the same thing and if if i was a pga tour player right now that would have me very very livid because we're welcoming back with open arms and borderline appreciative of the PIF and the money that's going to be coming in, as opposed to we can do this without them. They're going to go on their own. We're better off without them. Obviously, fans are in a much better place now. But if I was one of the PGA Tour guys, specifically the guys in that like 40 to 125 number on the list, uh, I'd be really upset right now because they could have made some life-changing money real quick and come back. You don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that there's not going to be any sanctions or ramifications against guys that went to live or that they might have to play their way back onto the tour. You don't know that the guys that went to live are going to get paid what they were told that they were going to get paid, right? So there's a chance that staying on the tour was still the better the better option. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that these two entities are going to merge after all the shit that's gone down between the two of them. In, uh, in, in, uh, speaking to, uh, Bucky talking about, you don't know if the live guys are going to get paid. Your boy has some sources here. And, uh, according to those, uh, <clears throat> there are a couple dudes who went to live who are like, I'm not super sure that we're getting the money we were promised. And I'd be hard pressed to imagine that you could sue, like sue the Saudi government and being like, Hey, I'll take the money you promised me. Like, what are you going to do? The, and the Saudi government's going to be like, fuck you. Like, we don't <laughs> care. 
Sue us. Go for it. Um, speaking of people, and you, you mentioned Phil's kind of Twitter Twitter rampage uh, this weekend where he was really going at uh, one guy for the most part, Brandel. Uh, what's, uh, what's Brandel going to have to do here going forward? Like, he has been just flamethrowering this thing. What is what's his move going forward now? Uh, people probably people will forget. People will forget. Those those guys on TV are there for entertainment purposes, and they need to get your attention as much as they can. So that's what he's been doing. They'll all they'll they'll wash it under the the rug for the most part, probably. You think he just shuts up and falls in line? I don't know. Slano probably has a better opinion. <laughs> he's well, he's really been so, so anti, anti-live, pro-PGA Tour. It's been very Skip Bayless-ish, almost. Like, there's, like, a front that he's putting on that, like, it doesn't matter what happens, who's right, who's wrong. Like, this is the hill I'm dying on until there's another hill that I can try to die on down the road. And that's kind of Skip with a lot of his takes on – FS1 or whatever he's on now, but um, it he's going to be in a really tricky spot. And obviously Brooks Kepko is the first one this morning to throw some shade at him. Uh, he's going to be in a tricky spot for the next couple, couple weeks and months. And I'm always fascinated by when this live news seems to come out, because here we are, you mentioned it. We were supposed to be talking about LA country club and the U S open next week out West. And, if you think these aren't going to be the main topics of that press conference for all the players next Tuesday, Wednesday uh, afternoons, like it's all that we're going to hear about. And I think something like that could drain on some of these PGA tour guys. Yeah. It'll be interesting how, how long it takes to get actual details because until you get actual details, the questions are, it's going to be the same question from the media. Like the media is not that inventive. Um, like they're going to ask, what do you think of the, the deal? Do you feel disrespected? Do you feel looked out? It's going to be like the same six questions over and over again until there's like some actual details on like how this is going to run. But yeah, it's going to a hundred percent be the only thing asked of every player uh, from here all the way up to the U S open until they start playing on Thursday. And then, you know, then it'll kind of dissipate for for a week or so. You'd have to think, but that that'll be the the main the main topic. Uh, Mister Waiter, uh, are you back with us? I know you've been popping in and out over there. His screen looks like he just got eliminated from around the horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he's, he's back in the lobby. Frozen. We'll try again. Oh, now we got two of them. We got two waiters. I keep getting kicked out. I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> well, um, Mollyhan just... said he's having a players meeting today. Yeah, today at four p.m. I don't know if. You what do you? What, since you're back, Matt, what do you think the uh, the tone in that room's going to be? Oh, I mean, he's going to take a beating. I mean, these guys are going to come in there and attack him, and he's going to have no answers for them. He's going to get very generic, like they're giving everybody else. But he's really just going to go in there. I assume just take his beating for an hour or so and let them air out their frustration. I mean, I guess to Jeff's point earlier, I don't know that there might not be a guy or two who says, screw it, I'm not playing this week just to make a point. Like, there might be one or two guys who do that. Would Rory? 
Maybe. He's the name. And, I mean, really, it's it's him, Hatton, Sam Burns. Like, Rory, well, what's the tour going to do to Rory McIlroy after he led them for the last 12 months through this anti-live, we're going to stand by the history and the game, grow the game of golf our way. If Rory just says, I'm out, like, I don't need to be in Canada the week before the U.S. Open, like, what's the tour's response to that? Maybe because I don't see why Rory should Maybe play this week. quit golf forever, just to prove a point. <laughs> you know, can't rule it out. I think we can rule that one out. I I get where you're. I do get where Jeff's coming from here. Like he, I think he has more of a leg to stand on and being like, "Screw it, I'm not playing this week," because. I don't – it's hard to imagine that he did all that stuff just in his own, like for the past year and a half or whatever. Like, it's hard to imagine that he just wasn't – like, he just decided one day, like, hey, I'm going to go out there and be, like, the spokesman for the PGA Tour. You'd have to imagine at some point along the way, like, Monahan and somebody else in the tour building was like, hey, you're, you're talking about this already. Why don't you Why don't you just keep going and we'll let you be the, the player face of this. So – I would get him being more frustrated than anybody else. I think he probably still plays this week, but man, that would be that would make up for a fun topic if he just decided to uh, to take off for the the week and be like, you know what, screw you guys. I'll see you at the U.S. Open. You guys kind of fucked me over. I'm gonna fuck you guys right back. You guys get the feeling the last couple of weeks, Rory's looked more defeated in all these interview conferences that he's had, where he's kind of like, screw this shit. Maybe Rory knew this was coming, and he's like out there having to still kind of push the initiative, but knew it was coming. Cause I just think every, the last couple of weeks he goes and sits up there and he's just like, Jesus Christ. Like I'm still going to get asked the same questions, but I deep down know something's about to, to pop off and I already don't like it. Well, it was nice while it lasted for Matt. Again. Wait, you, you can't hear me? He's been eliminated again. I think, I think <laughs> where Matt was going with that is that Rory knew that he lost and knew what was coming. I mean, he has, you know, he hasn't played great lately. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll never know. He looks like his hair's gone gray pretty fast on him. So the dude's been stressed out about something. But at the end of the day, he's a golfer. And uh, maybe it's a relief for him that he can just get back to golf, you know? Yeah, you'd have to think that's not ideal for his golf game over the past, you know, year and a half, however long this has been. I mean, and especially like the last couple months you've seen, it. he looks drained. Like you said, he, he looks like there's more gray than ever. Might be the best thing in the world for him that this, this shit's over with. He just gets to go back to playing golf and like, trying to, to win a major again, which, by the way, he hasn't done in 10 years almost now. Uh, that was going to be one of my topics today for the for the U.S. Open. But um, is there anything else we need to touch on? Like, is, is are we missing something here? We, we don't know many of the details. There's going to be a ton more details that come out. Everything's going to become a lot more clear, like, once we get get into this. Like, Oh, I know one we didn't touch on. Greg Norman. Like, does anybody think Greg Norman's going to be kept around at this point? I don't really care. I don't. I, don't <laughs> I, I can't say that I care one way or the other either. 
Um, but I think you should probably go ahead and book Rory McIlroy to win the U.S. Open next week, and you can do that right now. Wow, that is a – there's the hot take I'm looking for. We are booking Rory to win the U.S. Open. I think he probably Open. hasn't won a major since him and Caroline Wozniak. He decided not to get married, and then he went scorched earth. So now he'll probably just go scorched earth against every the world because Liv and PGA Tour are emerging. So he'll probably just go win the U.S. Open. That's what he likes to do. Matthew, you're back again. I've relocated. If this doesn't work, <laughs> you boys are on your fucking own. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> what do you think about the uh, Rory's uh, lock to win the U.S. Open comment here? I mean, if everything's fixed, then he definitely is. I mean, it seems like a great opportunity to throw the guy a bone if you just truck them out there for a year. Make him be your guinea pig on this thing. You know, at least throw him a major. Christ he did major. win the Tour Championship last year. In kind of comeback fashion, like what a great story, PGA Tour leader. He is the two-time defending champ at two other courses of this Canadian Open this week. So maybe he considers that to be a major. Uh, I don't know. It is Canada's Open, not the U.S.'s Open or the British Open. But You know who's going to be insufferable for like the next four months? And I say this as a big fan, Phil. Phil, Phil is going to be fucking insufferable. Phil that's won. Phil won, won a that's, lot. That's nothing new, though. He's always insufferable. Um, I mean, they should just have somebody follow him around the range the next time <laughs> that he is out there because he is just going to be running his mouth up and down the range. So I do have two things to kind of ask you guys about this whole thing. The first of which is there's been a lot of things, specifically probably more on the European side, because a lot of the big names to have left are big Europe names as it pertains to Ryder Cup and the Polters and the Stensons and the McDowells and guys like that. But what what do we think happens with all the things that could now be done retroactively because they kind of have been validated in their departures. I mean, you have Henrik Stenson was supposed to be the Ryder Cup captain, lose his Ryder Cup captainship because he chooses to go to live golf. Well, now live golf is sleeping in the same bed as the PGA Tour. Uh, it's all the same thing. Like what happens with some of that type of stuff, right? You've had Rom say we need the best players playing in the Ryder Cup. Like what, what ends up happening to to some of these people who now have to walk back comments. Jay Monahan had a lot of 9-11 stuff to say about why not Saudi money, why not Trump this, Trump that. I think in the second part there with the, the Jay Monahan and the Saudi money stuff, they'll just pretend like that shit never happened. And then when they're asked about it, they'll do the same thing that like the live guys did when they went to the live tour. They ate the questions for a couple weeks, kind of gave non-answer answers. And then people will get tired of asking it to get no answer. And then we'll be done with that. As far as the, the Ryder Cup stuff, I think that's much more interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they give Stenson another, another shot at it. Because it's not like he was just, like, penciled in to be the next guy. He was like, the think, guy. Yeah, he was the guy. Like, he literally was the guy and then told them, like, nope, I'm out. Like, see you later. Like, that. that's different than, like... Like, I think Phil, everyone had always penciled Phil in to be the, the Ryder Cup captain at uh, Bethpage. Mm -hmm. 
like it's different like being penciled in for it leaving so you're out but now you're back like does he maybe figure out enough goodwill to like make up for it like Stenson's a very interesting like test case like do they just fire him up the next one uh you know for 2025 like at Beth Page like do you just bring him back as for some of the players most of those guys who are like the Ryder Cup stalwarts that left like the Graham McDowell's the Polters they all suck anyway this year like you don't mm-hmm. want them on the team maybe Sergio so it'll be interesting to see if like Sergio gets on there but it, Stenson is going to be an interesting case for the 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 presidency or not presidency, the captainship going forward. Cause like I said, it, it's different than being penciled in and mm-hmm. that he took it, said, I'm going to do it, started down the whole thing. And then it's out. I think a big test may be if uh, Luke Donald, like brings him on as like an assistant captain, like kind of late into the process. That's what I was going to say. I think they bring him on as an, and as an assistant now and 2025, he's the guy back again. We're so sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, my bad. Right. Which then can lead you into like four years from now, it's probably time to get into the Westwoods, the Polters, right? Like if if for one year they just skip it like this year, two years from now, nobody's going to really care that he was taken down as captain, right? Which then opens up kind of that European run that I think everybody expected was going to happen when those guys no longer could qualify on their own and we're no longer good enough to be captain's picks that, hey, like we're going to go on a eight-year run of these Ryder Cup legends for us that dominated the Americans for 20 years of being captains. But unfortunately, that whole stretch was taken out as of eight months ago, right? Ten months ago. So the other question is, what do we think Team Golf looks like in, in the PGA Tour? They swear that Team Golf is staying a part of this merger. Is it simply Liv's going to have their own schedule? Are we going to see team events on the PGA Tour? Like, is it going to be Liv guys versus PGA Tour guys? It can't kind of be because they're all one tour now, right? Like, what what does it look like when they say that that's going to stay? If it that's looks anything question. like, at least in my opinion, I'll let uh, I'll let you guys jump back in here in a second. If it looks like the current Liv team golf thing looks, it sucks. Because the as much as like I dislike the Saudi involvement in Live Golf, like my main problem with Live was like it just it's a shitty product. Like who cares like about four guys who have no real ties to each other uh, combining their scores, a couple count on one day and then like three count on the last day, and it's hard to keep track of. Like if that's the fucking model that they're trying to bring over, like. That sucks. Best. Um, yeah, yeah. So any any Bucky, we'll let you go for it. Anything more to add on the the team golf aspect? And my golf? guess is that they'll try it out. They'll give it an event here or there. It won't really take off. I mean, we have team golf right now. When we have the two man thing, and it's like the worst week of the year. Nobody watches it. So the only team golf that's ever going to matter is the Ryder Cup. And uh, maybe they'll get a live versus PGA or some kind of other event there. Maybe they get one event out of it, but that's as far as I can see it going. Yeah, because like, how do you keep doing live versus PGA tour events when, like you said, you're you're all the same guys? Like, all you guys, I mean, 
They've you can split it up for a like year. They tried the match, and the match hasn't taken off. They keep fishing for like who would bring make the match exciting. It's not exciting. Like s- straight stroke play in professional golf is exciting. It's the best way, and it's gonna. St- I don't. I don't think that's gonna change. Matthew, four man scramble. <laughs> that would be something. Draft them up. Four man scramble. They would shoot some crazy scores. Crazy. I, w- I was gonna say I'd take a four man scramble once just to see how once. low those guys would take it. Just once. There'd be some wicked, wicked numbers shots. <laughs> like guys hitting it over trees, over ponds, oh, like. Yeah, you'd get to see the guys who can hit those shots. Try whatever. Well, we try in our four man scrambles, right? Like these guys taking the stupid lines with driver, trying to hit it up and over shit. As someone who usually is the one who stands on the tee in the fourth slot of those said four man scrambles, having to attempt some of those shots, uh, the ball manufacturers are going to have to send some more product to some of the players in those said scrambles because a lot of those are not found. Some of them are shots whoa, we whoa, whoa. always remember. Not according to you. They always find their ball. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be completely fine. That is a famous statement. It's on the list that tour players never lose their ball unless it's in a pond. That's true. That's true. They will find them all. And that their scores would be markedly better with crowds versus Mm -hmm. without crowds. And the funny thing about that, Jeff, was we had a test case a couple years ago where there were no crowds at PGA Tour events, and the scores didn't really change that much. We never did a full study. We just watched with our eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, so... um, Anybody have what, like, you think the best case scenario would be for, like, how the the play is set up for this going forward? Like, how do they figure out what the formats are and how to include, you know, the live stuff? And does live just go away? And does PGA Tour become the thing? I know they're setting up, like, a whole separate entity, but, like, what's what's the best way forward? Well, that, I think the first thing that, that I would say is that the winners of it all are us. Right. Like the fans are the winners of this merger because all that we have wanted and all that we have cared about was the best players playing in the best tournaments all the time. Right. We enjoy the Masters. We enjoy the U.S. Open. We enjoy the PGA where up to this year, all of them played and this year, most of them played. Right. So we are the real winners of it all. I don't see how after 2023, Live Golf and the Four Aces Dynasty is a thing moving forward, right? Like, how if Dustin Johnson can play in a $20 million purse over here, wh- why would he play an event in Live? Like, I, I don't understand how that is going to work with the current model. Like, I almost feel like they'd be better off having, like, the, the Live be like a triple A AAA feeder program where like the best team throughout a year on the corn ferry tour automatically goes to the PGA tour. Like some sort like, I don't see how they're going to be able to balance the best players doing both things. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I think they just have to go back to what they did before. And now you're just putting those guys right back into it. Like, I don't think there's a way to do it any differently. 
How different is the money going to look? The money's got to be fucking enormous, right? Like, right, like th- those for guys numbers. like Jay Monahan to like talk all the shit he did, and then swing back and be like, "Oh, we're we're buddies now." Like, there must be ass loads of money. Yeah, which is going to help all of golf. But uh, as far as how they structure it, I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. You guys have an opinion as to why it's now? Like, why is this going on? Like, all of a sudden now we're doing this? Some of it had to be the litigation that was all going on, right? At some point, those lawsuits were going to come to an end and there was going to be winners and losers. And if they could come to this agreement before there were winners and losers, it wouldn't shock me if if the PGA Tour folks were starting to get a little bit of notice that they might not come out ahead in some of these things. And it was like, well, there's a chance that we're going to look like we're, we're the losers in this thing and these other guys are the winners and we're going to have to let them do some stuff and we might as well just do this because it saves us a little bit, right? Um, I think we talked way back in the very beginning of this about just what what does them being PGA Tour members mean who can go play on other tours and I'm going to be in the PGA Tour, but I'm going to go play the Scottish Open. Well, now the Scottish Open the week before the British Open is a PGA Tour event because of this merger, right? Like there's some other things that have happened because of it all. It wouldn't shock me if they were going to find out that they were they were on the wrong side of some of these results in court, which helped expedite them trying to do this. I can see that as being valid because no at way. Least, at least for you my – I do agree. <laughs> Write it down, Jeff. You and I agree. Uh, I, I mean, at least from where I see it, like it felt like the PGA Tour had kind of weathered the storm mm-hmm. of Liv. Like Liv got their guys to start, but they haven't got anybody of any note since the first couple months. Um, and I mean, if you look at their roster, like outside of what Kepka, DJ, Cam Smith. Like who else is over there, really? I mean, you got some, you got some decent players, obviously, some mid-level guys. You know, your Taylor Gooches and and your like lower mid-level guys, Brandon Steeles, but and then like all your older guys, your Sergios, your McDowells, and Poulters and stuff like that. But it felt like the PGA Tour had kind of weathered, weathered the worst of it, and, and made it like kind of made it through the the roughest seas, if you will, and and we're kind of coming out the other side and, and had figured it out and you know, had kind of restructured on their own end. So I, I don't disagree that there's a possibility that their lawyers were like looking at him being like, Hey, maybe this doesn't, you know, fall the way we thought it was. And it's not going to be as beneficial to us. And they're kind of looking around and being like, well, if we're going to get whacked with something, we might as well just take the money now and, mm-hmm. and be done with it. But yeah, the timing is very confusing because it, it didn't feel like live was, gaining traction or anything at this point, unless you guys have a different opinion on that than it I do. It happened because Brooks kept going the PGA. He won the PGA, and then the whole world changed, and now the PGA Tour decided that they had to join up with Liv or else they were going to lose forever. Do you think it's that simple? That, no, that you saw him no. win the PGA? Fucker. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, that's why it happened. I should know better than the fucking trust your fucking ass. Where where do we think the live guys only playing so many weeks per year 
falls into their goals moving forward with all of this. They were going to play 14 fucking tournaments on Live this year. Mm -hmm. With four majors, there's 18. Plus, however many of those dumb fucking Asian Tour events they have to play. try to get the points. They're playing 20 events already. Like, that argument was really stupid. Like, the first year when they only played eight events, like, it was one thing. But I think they were supposed to go up to, like, 16 Live events next year, weren't they? Yeah, with the team championships and whatnot, yeah. So, I don't... the PGA restructured it anyway with the the bigger events with the bigger purses. Like they were going to be able to do that now anyway. Right. Yeah, it was like, like 16 big events, money. four majors right. in the players. Well, I, the- so do we, I guess like one of the big changes with the, the increased pay on the PGA tour was that there was a mandate that if you're one of these exempted people into these exempted tournaments, you had to put these on the calendar. And I, I think we're all kind of in agreement because we've talked about this there have been so many elevated events. It has felt like the first half of the PGA Tour schedule was literally like elevated event, off week, elevated event, major, elevated event. Like, And you do see guys who like they've played, it feels like almost every single week, right? And to the PGA Tour's credit, the elevated events, with the exception really of Wyndham Clark won one of them, right, have been won by the best players on the tour, right? Like they have been the best events to watch. The leaderboards are stacked with big names, but I don't necessarily see Brooks Kepka coming back being like, well, now that all of you are back and we're going to have 45 events a year because we have this extra money, we're going to mandate that you play 18 of them. And these are the exact 18 weeks you have to play and you can only miss one of them or two of them. I don't really see that going well with the Dustin Johnsons of the world and the Brooks Kepkas of the world, because that's part of what I think they wanted to get away from was the freedom of of their schedule and the freedom of their calendar. I mean, they were mandated to play stuff on live. Yeah. Like, they they really have... live money. Don't play it. I said they, they can just use their live money and pay the fine for skipping it. Yeah. I mean, isn't part of like being a pro golfer though, that you play pro golf tournaments. So like, they're going to have, like they have to play, tournaments maybe they don't have to play as many but like if they want to stay sharp and they want to stay relevant they have to play tournaments and be on tv and and win stuff or else but then to to your credit or to what you just said didn't brooks kepka kind of just prove to us that that's not really the case i mean again he's still playing tournaments right he just won the pga because he played in the pga well right but he didn't play much leading up to that he played in the Masters. Yeah. Look up how many times he's played this year. I don't even Where's does Liv have a website? Yeah, they do. Look at these guys. <laughs> you can probably just go to overall. Oh no, he wouldn't be in any of that stuff. Different schedule. Oh, there's more. No, I want to see the past completed events. There we go. So he played in Mayakoba in February, in Tucson in March, in Orlando at the end of March and April. Then the Masters, so there's four. Uh, another one in April, five. Singapore, six. Tulsa, seven. So he would have played eight events after February. the PGA. So so probably February. very comparable to what he would have done on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I don't think the schedule is all that much different for the, the live guys. Like, I think. No, it's just the mandated weeks, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, everything's, and then everything's mandated on live. Like, so. And I know going forward, the schedule is supposed to change on the PGA Tour. It was supposed to go to more of like a, 
like a two weeks on three weeks off thing was kind of the, the format that was getting kind of thrown around. The two weeks would be the elevated events. And then the three weeks would be non-elevated. And then they do two, two on three off, two on three off or not off, but like two elevated three non-elevated with like the new format that was supposed to be coming next year where those two elevated events were going to be no cut events. So Again, it's going to be super interesting to see how they figure out how to incorporate everything. And, yeah. you know, we're obviously talking out our ass when, as far as that goes. But How do you think the guys get their membership back? Some sort of application process, probably. I mean, we were talking about before we went live, Dan Rappaport said there was they were going to have to pay a fine, which it seems wild to me that they would still make them pay a fine after they kind of remerge. But yeah. The fine that came from the PIF that's going to go back to the PIF. They're not reaching into their pocket for any money, let's be honest. Maybe they have to pay a fine, but. What about the guys who were like the highly ranked college players or the highly ranked AMs? Because there were a few of them who said, I'm going to live now because I know I can get paid. I haven't even proven anything yet really in pro golf. Like now yeah. those guys have got to go back to square one. There was the Spanish guy, right, from Oklahoma State. Yeah, or whatever. James P.O. or Piot or Yeah. Well, there were a few that went and just said, screw it, I'll get paid. I'll work my way up through, you know, winning money on the live. But they have, like, no real status. At least the big-time players who are going to be coming back, they have that, whatever they've already accomplished. Like, they'll, I would think, just get their status back. David Puig, he was one of them, right? Yeah. He's a member of uh, Torque GC, in case anyone was wondering. That's the, I haven't that's heard the that name. Torque, Torque seems like a, a, a golf club that has struggled on live. Do you, want to, uh, do you want to guess who the captain of Torque GC is? I think we should all take a crack at trying to guess who the captain of Torque GC is. Ian Poulter. You go first, Ian Jeff. Poulter. Okay. No, he's the Majestics. You wouldn't know that. <laughs> That is correct. The Majestics actually have three captains, by the way, <laughs> as per listed on the live site. Uh, who do I Bryson? think? Bryson's not a bad. Bryson might be. The Jeff's captain. going Bryson. No, Waiter, Waiter said, Waiter said oh, Bryson. Oh, Waiter's got Bryson. Well, what do you have? I think it might be Bryson. It is not Bryson. It is Joaquin Neiman. Was never going to get there. No. But I'm excited for Joaquin Neiman to be back on my television on yeah, the PGA I thought Tour. He, I thought his career was going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, Bryson is the captain of the Crushers GC. Mm. Torque Crusher. Power names. Wally, you sent us a text about a topic, which was Matthew Wolf. Yeah. So I have a question. Yeah, he's – you got Who's it. Matthew Wolf. Anthony Kim. Way less talent. Does he have way Heading that direction, right? Well, Anthony, Kim, Anthony Kim did it for a couple of years, man. It already seemed like Matthew Wolf was on the Anthony way. Anthony Kim was on the Ryder Cup, right? Yeah. Matthew Wolf is a partier? Did you mean the party aspect, Eric, or just the way he disappeared from the golf scene? The way he disappeared from the golf scene. It seems like he's going to. Yeah, it's got similarities. I mean, he was. 
better than Colin Morikawa. Yeah, Matthew Wolf. Yes. Early on, yeah. I mean, I felt like his early his early time was when we were sitting at home during during COVID, right? And he was showing up on all like the Tuesday, Wednesday Golf Channel like walk and talk things where they would play nine holes with celebrities, right? Like, wasn't he a part of all that? He got into the tailor-made one at uh, Seminole, right? Seminole. Like, he he became kind of one of those guys. I You might be on to something here. Thank you, Jeff. I'm going to look up Colin Morikawa. Well, Colin Morikawa has had a much better career since then. Right. When did Wolf left for, what, in 2021? He went to live. Wolf? He left at, like, the beginning. I think they all were, like, the beginning of 2022, June, right? June 2022, Wolf joined Live Golf. So he won he, the 3M Open in July of 2019. He won as a rookie right out of college. Yep. He went. Yep. Colin Morikawa won later that same month. The Barracuda, Barracuda yeah, but, not okay. as good of a tournament. So, Wolf, opposite field Wolf event. wins the NCAA and then wins on the PGA Tour as a rookie. It was like his fourth or fifth What's start, right? The last right? time somebody yeah. did that. And Rose the Zane. following year, <laughs> in 2020, he T4s the PGA, and he finished second at the U.S. Open. You know who won the PGA in 2020? Tom Warkow. Right. That is correct. Okay. But prior to that, Wolf was like supposed to be better than Colin Morikawa. But regardless, okay, so we want to hype up Anthony Kim so much because there are cool videos <laughs> on social media. It feels like this isn't going to go in your favor, Walls. Let's see what Anthony Kim actually did. He won three times in his first four years on tour. Okay. He finished his highest finish in a major. He finished third at the Masters. He went to Oklahoma. He was a pro from 2006 to 2010. Uh, Wikipedia is beautiful. He did win four times. So... I'm only I mean, counting three. I'm that. not really counting the Kiwi Challenge Which, as a win. I mean, yeah, he won the Wachovia Championship. He won the AT&T, and he won the Shell Houston Open. But how many years did he actually play? Four years. Four? Yeah. Like five, 20, 2007 to 2011. Yeah. I think by 2011, though, it was it was going off I the mean, rails. I mean, top five – Two majors in four years, and he had a T7, so three top tens. They're comparable because, I mean, Matthew Wolf basically basically played three years, had a couple top tens. Like, Matthew Wolf came out of the gates better, but, like, 21, he DQs from the Masters, doesn't play the PGA, T15 U.S. Open, and then 2022 gets cut from the Masters and the PGA Championship and then heads to live. So Anthony Kim had more staying power than Matthew Wolf. You could say that, which is hard to <laughs> hard to give Anthony Kim more staying power than a lot of people. All right, I'm off it. That's all I had. I mean, the the point of what the, all this was that Matthew Wolf withdrew from U.S. Open qualifying this week after which, leaving his live golf team. Has he left the Live Golf team, or is he just getting like removed from all the website and everything, and no one really knows what's going on? 
I'm pretty sure he left Smash GC. Did he leave or was he asked to leave? Well, that's... I don't really know how the team aspect of, of Live Golf from a management perspective works. Uh, I don't know how much of a manager Brooks Kepka is in, in terms of, of his golf club uh, over there. Uh, you, on the Live website, he is still on the roster. Interesting. It is Brooks Kepka, Chase Kepka, Jason Kokrak, and Matthew Wolf are still on the roster. And they're, what a good uh, brother, though, that Brooks Kepka is. Brother of the year. Right. Brother yeah. of the year. I didn't the realize opposite this. of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> so the Lyft website has little uh, little bios for each team. I'm just going to read you Smash GCs. In big, bold letters, fight like family. Now in smaller letters. Smash brings the power and bundles of it. This team led by big-hitting Brooks Kepka, who crunched one drive more than a quarter of a mile in 2022. But there's grace, too. Smash sees itself as a family, a close-knit gang that fights as one. With Smash, it's all of them or nothing at all. As a unit fused together by self-belief and total dedication, they're here to work, they're here to fight, and they're here to win. So Sounds like a mission like, statement for a youth cheerleading squad. I was going to say it's not like a high school English assignment for the kids to uh, write about a team. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. We don't, we while we're on the topic... Anymore. <laughs> While we're on the topic of people withdrawing from U.S. Open qualifying, I think Jeff found this more interesting. And, and uh, Bucky, you had a little shot at him here in the group chat. There were a bunch of live guys who didn't even try and qualify for the U.S. Open. Um, Some good ones. Yeah, Anna Baron, Lahiri, Bern Wiesberger, Bubba Watson, Charles Schwartzel, Chucky Three Sticks. Um, Taylor Gooch you, was one of them. Yep. Stenson, Poulter, Lee Westwood, Louis Oosthuizen, Pat Perez, Paul Casey, Sam Horfield, um, Siwon Kim. Don't know who that is. And then Taylor Gooch. None of those guys even tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. Anything to make of that? They get guaranteed money on live. Why bother? The Taylor Gooch is one is the one that surprises me. Because I think when he left the PGA Tour to go to live, it felt like he was on, like, not quite a Sam Burns trajectory, but, like, he was on the cusp of becoming, like, one of those guys that you would see on these elevated event leaderboards, right? Yeah, and he was, like, 32nd in the world, wasn't he? Correct, yeah. So that's the one that, I don't know, to me, like, if you have a chance to qualify for it, why not qualify, especially considering with – all the live stuff going on. Like one of the things we had talked about when live was there, right. It's like the exemptions, right? Like the guys that are exempt into the majors, they're good, right? Like had this merger not happened, Brooks Kepka's win at the PGA is bigger than just Brooks winning the money and the world ranking points, because it's the five year exemptions that come with some of them. So for the next five years, he's good to play just because you win the Tulsa open or whatever on the live tour, you don't get anything like that. For doing so. So to see guys like Taylor Gooch pass on playing in a U.S. Open qualifier doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, I was surprised by it. Speaking of the U.S. Open, since no one else seems to have many thoughts to, to banter back and forth with you there, Jeff. 
Uh, do we want to touch on the U.S. Open since that was the the original point of what we were doing here today? Rory McIlroy uh, is going to win the U.S. Open. <laughs> I do have one point on the qualifying. That Monday Q info account is incredible for that day. Mm-hmm. That guy is all over that. And if Rory McIlroy doesn't win the U.S. Open, <laughs> it'll probably be Scotty Scheffler. Way to go on a fucking limb there. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Scheffler can't fucking putt though He might not have to He might not He gained like what like 10 strokes I, I was talking about it He gained like 10 strokes on the field He's on an unprecedented ball striking run That's now gone on like A four month period I know I shared with you guys the stat. He's the first player ever To finish inside the top 20 While losing more than 8 strokes putting in a single event, and he nearly won. <laughs> he didn't just see 19 it. Yeah, he was one shot out of a playoff. While I missing, saw, like, multiple three-footers in the final round. I saw a thing that said, if you, I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world, but if you put his putting stats with Denny, uh, his ball striking stats with Denny McCarthy's putting stats, they, I think they would have won by 20 shots. <laughs> sounds Sounds correct. Um, Matthew, any you any thoughts on the U.S. Open here? Well, I'm going with Scotty myself. Front runner pick. I don't really got any long shot for you. I I like Scotty. Yeah, my U.S. Open uh, research was severely uh, dampened by uh, the news mine too, today. Honestly, I'll tell you what, L.A. Country Club looks cool. I've been looking at some pictures of it. It uh, it looks like a cool place. I'm sure. I'm sure it doesn't I, suck. I, I absolutely love West Coast U.S. Opens. Phenomenal. Agree. The Sunday late night finishes are tremendous. The Chambers Bay one was amazing when it was all the way out there. Saturday is actually my favorite because they let it go a little later because they're not worried about, like, a playoff as much. So they run Saturday. It feels like on the East Coast it's, like, damn near 11 o'clock when when play concludes. So I – more West Coast U.S. Opens are uh, should be on Definitely. the docket. I guess now that we're talking about the U.S. Open on the West Coast, it feels like Bubba Watson should have tried to qualify for the U.S. Open because I feel like Bubba Watson loves playing California golf. Hasn't he won at Riviera a number of times and loved that early season like swing out there? You're fishing. You're on the are you good? You're on a fishing expedition, and I think that you are probably fishing with an empty hook on this one. He, hasn't he won Riviera like three yeah. times? I think he has. Like fucking eight years ago. But what does that have to do with the fact that Bubba Watson should play the U.S. Open because it's in California, the same state as he won a diff- at a different course? Maybe I'm – isn't he like good at Torrey Pines – Good at Riviera, like good on the West Coast. The grass out there obviously sinks with something. Yeah, he likes to smoke it out there, that California <laughs> grass. He was good at Augusta. I mean, I don't know. I think for a while he was just like kind of good and he won, but he kind of sucks now, I think. He hasn't won a golf tournament in five years. And that was what, Riviera? No, Travelers. He he won three times in 2018, actually. He won Riviera, 
uh, match play, and then Traveler. So he won three big dick events in 2018. He's a horse for a course. He won the golf course yeah, he's, a few different times. He's won Travelers three times, Riviera three times, the Masters twice. He has won at Farmers. To Jeff's point, he has won a lot in California. Feels like the guy should have tried to qualify. Something about being in California makes him comfortable. He did used to love the Clippers, too. And doesn't isn't he a minority investor in like the baseball team out there, like one of the minor league baseball teams in California? I'm pretty sure that this is coming to to a real thing. I don't know. I can't believe we're talking about fucking Bubba Watson's prospects at a U.S. Open. Well, there's no fucking because it's in California. Can you guess the last time Bubba Watson t tend a U.S. Open? His baseball team is in Pensacola, Florida, so unfortunately you're off there. <laughs> Wrong side of the country. Uh, 2012. It's probably been a long time. That That's a good place to start from, Jeff. I'm trying to think of who won some of those early 2010. 2007. Yes, Eric looked it up on Wikipedia. He last top ten to U.S. Open in two thousand seven. That was Oakmont, and he was very. I was going to guess Oakmont, but I was thinking DJ's Oakmont. He hasn't top ten to any major since twenty eighteen, and funny enough, he only has five top tens in majors in his career. Yeah, and four of them are at the Masters. <laughs> two. He's never top ten the Masters. He's three at the Masters. He only has one top 10 at the Masters other than his and wins. one in the U.S. Open and one in the PGA. Um, we, knew he was, he, we knew he hated British Open. I'll golf. give you one name to look out for. I think he got in. I'm not 100% sure that he did. How about Preston Summerhays? Did he get in? He did. He made that eagle putt. He made eagle. Oh, yeah. he's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That gets a stud. How about there's three Stanford players that qualified for the U.S. Open? Did the fourth guy not get in? Um, I don't know. I saw something that there were three, and they were going to have to like charter a flight. But Stanford's in California, so there was a fourth guy who was in a playoff. Oh, maybe then they probably had a good season. You would have to think. <laughs> I can't believe you just fucking took us on a ten minute Bubble Watson fucking detour. Who's I your pick for the open, Wally? I think Jordan Spieth's going to fucking hang around. I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to be involved on when the day starts on Sunday. At some point early in the coverage, Jordan Spieth is going to be involved. That's a half-ass answer. I asked you who you think was going to win. <laughs> he did. We'd all like to hope that Jordan Spieth doesn't win. For the, I'd like to go on the record. I hope he misses the cut. <laughs> Ah, uh, man, who do I like to win? I think that Patrick Cantlay has a great shot to win the U.S. Open this year. That's not a bad pick. He's playing good golf right now, too. Ball striker, California kid. 
driving it really well. I don't know anything about LA Country Club, but it's a U.S. Open, so I would assume that you got to hit fairways. I would assume you got to hit greens. It doesn't seem in the pictures to be your absolutely traditional kind of U.S. Open course. It looks almost rustic, if you will. Like there's some like you know brushy areas around greens. Um, bunkers are you know not your normal just circle bunkers. Uh, kind of weird runoffs that then turn into uh, rough and things like that. Um, yeah, Patrick Cantlay's a good pick. I don't want to. I don't want to piggyback on you, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take Spieth. Spieth's not only going to be around on Sunday; he's going to be around at the end on Sunday. Jordan Spieth to win the U.S. Open and break his uh, his major drought. Will he hit the final putt of the tournament? No. He will not hit the final putt of the tournament. That'll probably be Patrick Cantlay four hours behind everybody else. <laughs> Let people play through. I got uh, I got Scotty Scheffler tapping in for a par after he just missed a uh, eight footer to send it into a playoff to hit the final putt of the tournament. That seems very realistic. Fair enough. Anything we've missed on today, gents? We're uh, we're sneaking up on an hour here. I feel like we've covered a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Um, we've all made a. Did waiter? Did you make a U.S. Open? Yeah. Did you? US yeah, Open Scotty. One? Scotty. Okay, so we got yeah. Scotty, a guaranteed Rory McIlroy, uh, but if not Scotty, uh, Patrick Cantlay and a Jordan Spieth out of the uh, the crew here. So, uh, anything else? Any uh, final thoughts from you guys before we wrap this up? We'll uh, we'll start with you, Matt. Um, I'm interested to see this LA Country Club. I don't know a damn thing about it. Um, so something new to watch, new golf course, not the same thing as we always say. It's always nice. Eric? West Coast U.S. Opens are the best type of U.S. Opens. Um, I tend to enjoy the courses that have a little bit more history as far as having past majors played at them. But uh, I'm going to approach it with an open mind, and at least it'll end late at night. We like that. Jeffy. Uh, I think today is a really good day for us as golf fans. I think it's a great day for uh, Twitter. You know, that's going to be going all day, all night. Uh, I'm excited to hear what comes out of this 4 o'clock meeting that uh, Jay Monahan, I'm sure, is going to get ripped apart in. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's a good day for, for all of us. We're going to get better tournaments. We're going to get better fields. We're going to get the big names back playing against the big names that have been here. And at the end of the day, that's good for all of us. Optimist Jeffy. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to end it with, uh, stay loose just in case some big news comes out at 4 PM. Um, may have to go back to back emergencies. Uh, but we didn't touch on this, so we're going to, I'm going to throw this in my little passing final thought here uh i am so done with pinehurst and i was looking at future u.s open sites we have pinehurst every five years and i fucking hate it hate it that place you won't be staying at riggs's cottage those weeks (laughs) that place stinks just like riggs agree with that statement Speaking of four-man scrambles, if they ever want some they know where they know where to come find find fun for them (laughs) (laughs) all right boys appreciate it thank you guys uh till next time peace